Welcome to Hope City Drip. This is the podcast of Hope City Church in Clinton, Iowa, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. We know that life can be busy and hectic, and so whether you're a stay-at-home mom with littles or you're a shift worker laboring long hours, whatever you do, this podcast is made for you to hear and digest the mission and vision of Hope City Church. It's a vision drip, so let it drip at your pace, press pause when you need to, rewind, adjust the speed, Whatever you need to do, we hope that this podcast serves to help you live for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of your local community. My name is Nick Powell, and I'm with Ben Parker. And we are going to talk about apathy on today's podcast. Uh, Ben's joining me here. Uh, we're going to hopefully just discuss what, uh, what is apathy and how does it relate to the Christian life. Um, many of you are struggling with some form of depression, some form of melancholy, some form of sadness or whatever, um, and, and there's a variety of ways that manifests in your life. And one of those ways is that you feel apathetic. Uh, apathy, uh, I don't know exactly the dictionary definition of, an ap- of apathy. I don't know if Ben's got that in front of him, but I, uh, the sense of apathy that I have gotten over the years of what apathy is is just not really caring anymore. Um, there was a there was a group of dudes in college that had a I think it was college. They had a clothing company and they called it No Care Ever, and it was like this tagline. And they showed up at hardcore shows and they had these shirts on and they were actually pretty cool shirts. And I think for them, I shouldn't put words in their mouth. I don't know exactly their philosophy behind it, but from the outside, No Care Ever was like this no drama. They didn't want drama, Mm -hmm. you know? And so going up to these hardcore shows with these no care ever shirts, it was like, we're here to, uh, jam out to this music, uh, get in the mosh pit. And that like, we're just here for that. We're not here for the extra drama, you know? And I think that's how a lot of people approach, um, politics and all sorts of stuff that's going on in our world is that they just want to remove themselves from the drama. And, Sometimes I think that then leads to that disengagement from all of the stress. Doesn't that seems like it leads to total disengagement from everything. And then you start to say, well, what's the point? The whole world is in, is poopy and chaotic and I don't want to be a part of it. And so I'm just going to retreat. Uh, ben, how, how would you describe that? Would you put a little nuance on, on the word apathy? Um, I think like apathetic. Yeah, like especially now, I think it's so easy in the state of America right now for us as Americans, like you just are fed up with what's going on and you're just like, nah, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to pay attention. I mean, I'm guilty of that. So, but then you're right. It does lead to kind of disengagement in everything else because in a sense, especially now with social media and everything, everything ties together. So you're just kind of create this small little bubble of like a lack of enthusiasm and just like boringness in your life because you don't want to be involved with anything that's going on. Yeah. Do you feel that personally? Like, is there any way that's manifested personally in your life? Oh yeah. With, I think with the politics going on the last couple of months. Sure. I'm, I don't know anything about politics anyway. So I'm like with all the drama and everything, I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. I don't care about it. Like it's all just, in your words, poopy. And like, <laughs> like, I'm just over it. So I'm just not going to pay attention. Like it's not doing me any, any 
benefit to pay attention to it. If everything that I'm reading is just slander or negative, like you don't know it's true anymore. Right. Like I'm just going to like leave it be. Yeah. You don't know what's true anymore. That's huge. That's a big deal, man. I mean, like not trusting that what you're consuming information wise, like not trusting that you can even find truth in it. Like that's a big deal. And I think you and a lot of other people share that, you know, getting on social media or any news site and wondering, are they just playing games? Like, are they just talking heads trying to convince me of their, uh, to, are they just trying to win me to their brand? Yeah. You know, I think that's how a lot of, at least our age group interprets this stuff is we've become so cynical. It's like, you remember watching, uh, commercials and infomercials on TV, you know, especially late at night. And it just gets silly. And I remember those becoming, I don't know, before I even knew what memes were, I think we interacted with commercials like memes. Yeah. Just like single one-liners that we'd like say to each other. Like the Sham Sham Wow and uh, OxyClean guy. Billy Mays. (laughs) Billy Mays, yeah. And and it's like that cleaner might get, you know, it might work. OxyClean might do a heck of a job getting the red wine stain out of your carpet. But I didn't care about that. Yeah. It just was this message that Billy Mays was in my face yelling at me. And then the, uh, there's another guy who, um, uh, whoa, this is, this is actually on memes. The putty dude, the guy who scrapes the putty mm. on the holes. Uh, what is that? What's that called? Um, you got to look it up. You got to find it. <laughs> there. I forget what the dude's called, but there's a... <laughs> There's so many memes about this guy because he like will go up to a tank of water and like smash it with a hammer or something and create a hole and then he would go get his like extra strong putty basically. Gosh. Did you find it? I'm trying to think of what it oh. is. Um, and then he would scrape it over the hole and it would stop the it would stop it. It would stop the the you know the clog or whatever. And and it's just like his personality is like, hey, flex seal, flex seal. That's right. Flex seal. This dude is all in your face. <laughs> my my favorite is that he takes a screen, like a screen door and then sprays the stuff on him and takes it out on a boat, like as a boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So then when we watch politics or read the news, I think in, there is a sense in which maybe I'm the only one. I don't think I'm the only one where I watch those things and I think they're the same. I think, you know, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are the flex seal guys. They're just out there like Ric Flair, just doing something to entertain me. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's all like, it's become less about the issues. It's just selling. They're like salesmen. Politics are salesmen. What are you going to sell me? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're trying to market to these people. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people become apathetic to that. And, uh, and then also, I just think that there's another thing that, that provides some context to this conversation of feeling apathetic and disengaged is that people literally are more disengaged right now, you know, like um, whether you have to quarantine because you have COVID or someone around you's had COVID or just the world in general seems to be more, you know, let's order DoorDash and stay inside. Yeah. And so, and it's winter in the Midwest. I was going to say, yeah, winter, like adding in the seasonal aspect too, like that this can be relevant for any time outside of 2020, 2021. <laughs> yeah. No but. kidding. Uh, and so, you know, I had like when I had COVID, uh, I, I got really sick for a couple days. Like I had fever and I couldn't really get off the couch and I felt 
felt like trash. Well, then the the main thing that happened was I just felt like I didn't want to do anything. I don't know. It was like mental. I was still a little weak and fatigued, but I mostly just felt like nothing mattered. I don't know how to describe it. It was like I didn't want to read any books. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to do anything that brought me any sort of happiness or I wasn't interested in anything. And so I was just totally disengaged physically because I was quarantining. And then I was disengaged emotionally. Um, I was actually not very nice to my wife, you know, like I was kind of grouchy and crotchety and just wasn't fun to be around. And so like being disengaged, I think is a, is a pretty common experience. Apathetic being apathetic is a pretty common experience for the Christian right now. Yeah. Um, and so do you, like, okay, you're following Jesus, and he says, come follow me. That seems to be a call towards, oh, and Jesus says, when you follow me, you will have abundant life, like in Jesus. So you're following Jesus, and he's promising you an abundant life, and then you feel apathy. What? How do you process that? Those two th- things seem to be dissonant. I guess what I'm feeling, like when I feel in the moment when that happens, um, I feel... <laughs> uh, it feels like it's easier to like not. So I'm just like, oh, I'll be like, my soul is saved. I'm committed to Christ, but I'm just going to not do that right now. Like, it's just easier not to want to do anything. I just want to sit where I'm at. I want to sit on the couch. I want to watch Netflix. I want to not do anything. And then kind of becomes like, I feel guilty too, because I know I should be doing something, but a lot of times I just don't have the energy like you were talking about with like the COVID stuff yeah, or like the mental aspect, but you're just not motivated to do anything and you feel guilty because then especially now in social media, you'll get on and you'll see a kid you went to high school with just handed out a million Bibles in India and posted all these great pictures about it. And you're like, well, I'm doing nothing. Like, <laughs> that's great. Like, yeah. So just a lot of guilt, I think, goes along with that too. You feel guilty because you feel apathy. Yeah. Interesting. So... I want to explore that a little more because I've had a, I've actually had a couple conversations with people where they've said the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're depressed or specifically apathetic and they, uh, they, then they feel like shame attached with that. Sorry, my dog is in here. How did she stay in here when we started? (laughs) She's fine. Church planting, got the dog in the office. The church mascot, ma'am. So you feel guilty, like you experience this feeling of guilt um, because you also feel apathetic. Like so, you 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 just articulated you you think you need to be handing out hundreds of Bibles, thousands of Bibles in India to not feel apathetic. Like what does that even mean? Yeah, it's like there's no gray area. It's either like you're. Billy Graham or you're nothing like mm. you, you know, like when you're in that spot of like, you feel like you're not doing anything, you, you miss the, the little moments, the, like all of the little moments that are more important than, you know, the one big moment or that lead up to that big moment that you miss those. And you just focus on like the end result that you're not doing right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Focused on the end result. I don't know. I just think that there's, there's something to this because a lot of people I think share in this feeling of apathy and you know like I said with COVID I I felt that I felt that sense of meaninglessness yeah um like it doesn't 
Like it didn't even matter if I read the book or that I even have books. Um, I was also working on, I think I ended up working on a sermon or I did something where I was trying to communicate truth. Uh, and you know, as a pastor, I don't want to be apathetic about God's word, apathetic about the Christian life. You know, I don't want to be apathetic. I want to be excited about what I'm doing and engaged. And I felt apathetic. I'm like, I didn't want to do with this. And it was easy for me to blame it on the virus. I don't know if you think through this, uh, but it was easy for me to like scapegoat it onto something. Oh yeah. Like here's the virus. This is obviously the cause of being apathetic. But then there was also some habits that I was noticing in my life. Like I was always staring at my phone Mm -hmm. and I was starting to wonder, I was praying to God, is this also part of that? Is my habits on social media and news and things like that, is that contributing to my apathy? And uh, I don't know. I'm still wrestling with that because I feel more normal now, like sickness-wise. Um, but I don't know that – I don't know. I don't feel – like I still come to this place where I'm like, man, I'm not as excited as I was. Uh, like my taste buds. Like, you know, the COVID thing with the taste buds. Uh, I physically feel like the taste buds aren't fully back, but I also feel emotionally like my emotional taste buds aren't quite fully back. But are they are they back more than what they were, say, two or three weeks ago? Like, mm-hmm. are you less apathetic now than you were? Yeah. And what... Like, what, what did you do? Like, what... I, mean, I, I don't know. I got healthier, and I think it's just... My body fought off the sickness. Yeah. But then... Yeah, I think that uh, there has been some moments I've I've intentionally tried to limit all of the the media that causes me to disengage. I haven't read as much, haven't watched as much, and so the abstaining from those things has I think helped me uh, find pleasure in other things because I'm not so caught up with like I got to run from something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What are you What are you wrestling with with this? What you, what's What are you thinking about? Well, I think a lot of it, like with apathy, you can, it can lead to escapism. So mm-hmm. like if you just binge Netflix and you're just binging the office, you create this like false reality of what you think life should be like or what you want life to be like rather than accepting where it is, like where you're at or what's actually happening. So then when you get done with Netflix or, you know, you actually have to face reality, it's more painful than what it should be because mm-hmm. it's like a disappointment. Wow. Yeah. And have to face reality. So you have some quotes on this Desiring God article on what apathy is? Yeah, he talks about it. He says, uh, we will define apathy this way. The disposition of uh, dismissal, dismissal, dismissal or reluctant toward a particular idea, person, or group often experienced as a lack of emotion. And he gives like five aspects of it. What are those five aspects? Meaninglessness, easiness, trendiness, entitlement, and stuck. Did you read the article or is this something that just popped up and you just... No, I literally like just... Okay, so I'm going to ask you in depth Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't read the article like all the way through. I've glanced through it, but like as we were talking about apathy, I saw it. Interesting. So what were the, what was the definition again? That he this this is Paul Maxwell, right? Yeah, he's got some interesting stuff online. The disposition of dismal or reluctance 
towards a particular idea, person, or group often experienced as the lack of emotion. Hmm. Like he's saying it's something, so psychologically it's like this indifference, he says, the mm-hmm. beginning, but it's a, towards a group or person or idea thing, but then it manifests itself in lack of emotion. Yeah. And I think he's mainly getting at, because this was written years prior to COVID. So I think this is mainly talking about uh, like apathetic, like apathetic in your faith. So when you're, when your faith just gets mundane and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So for the Christian, I mean, that's our main concern, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it's important because you're right. Like you get to this place where you, I think tend to feel guilty because in the Bible, there's all sorts of stuff. I think this interfaces with joy in a really interesting way because, um, you know, in the scriptures, it says that in God, like in Psalm 16, it says that in God's presence is fullness of joy and uh, pleasures forevermore. And then also in uh, Philippians, Paul says, rejoice. Like it's a command. So through... Um, through the letter of the Philippians, God is saying to you right now, as a Christian, rejoice. I will say again, rejoice. And so there's this, I don't know, I think it puts a weight on on a person. Well, I should be happy, right? I should find e- eternal life. Like I should eat the word of God as my daily bread. Like all this, the language used in the Bible about how we should uh, follow Jesus is that it should be full, engaging, and full of life. Mm -hmm. And so when it's not, you feel like it's because you're unfaithful. Yeah. uh, Something you've done wrong. So then it, like, I think that's really discouraging for a lot of people. Um, How do you process, like, how do you process that? In, in the moment when you feel like you feel guilty because you're apathetic and then where do you, what do you do with that? Where do you go? Yeah. A lot of times, like I've been in that before, especially in my faith where it's, you know, it just is, it gets put on the back burner. I'm like, Oh, I don't need to read my Bible today. Like I know I'm a Christian, you know, or whatever. And then like, or like you read your Bible and then you just close it and rush off to work or whatever. So um, I think what I do, it's kind of like a lot of times it you come to the end of yourself too, cause you just get so exhausted. Uh, so a lot of times I will, I'd say this as a master, I'm not a master of it. Like it was forced upon me, but like to stop, just like completely stop and just sit in silence for a little bit and almost just like let your mind catch up to you and like reveal what's actually going on. Cause a lot of time, if you're like apathetic, there's something, something else is getting your focus. So if you can just kind of meditate on it or just sit in silence and figure out what's going on in your mind. And a lot of times you might have to grieve like something, like something going on that like you were running from or taking up a lot of your time and then just bring it to God. And for me, I more a couple of times with that, like there'll be like an overwhelming sense of uh, like acceptance and like an invitation to keep coming back to the spirit Mm -hmm. and to God. So, um, then it's just like a small journey of just every day trying to do a little bit more. Um, I think a lot of times that just starts with, especially in like our hurried society of just sitting still for a little bit and just dedicating that time, just almost, it's like when you, if you want to be successful at, you know, exercising to lose weight, you have to like 
put that into your schedule. So just having that set time to place towards God. And if that's just sitting in silence for a little while, or if you read one word out of your Bible, but just kind of like faking it till you make it a little bit, just to like make it a priority again. Mm -hmm. Make what a priority? Your faith or to not feel apathy or what? I think to grow, to grow for a longing of God. Yeah. And, and just be reminded of, of his character, but then also be reminded of like the purpose that he calls us to. Yeah. So I don't know who he needs to hear this, but when you feel guilty, um, you know, I think, I think everything you just said is right. Uh, in terms of God does call us to a vibrant emotional connection with him. Yeah. But when you don't feel that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're sinning. Yeah. And and we know this because we know that uh, the language used in the New Testament is that your body, um, what's going on in your body is a war, is that God's spirit is renewing you um, and is transforming you to become more like Jesus, who is perfectly loving and perfectly engaged with the Father. You know, he is, he is the model of a non-apathetic human being. And we are being transformed to that image. But we're not completely transformed to that image. We still, um, our members, as Paul says, wage war against one another. And so there is the sense in which there's, there's still um, stuff, crud, icky stuff in our life that we call sin that needs to get um, rooted out, needs to get purified. And that stuff sometimes happens in seasons of apathy. Uh, I think that apathy can also be a form of wilderness experience where going through a season where you don't feel like you want anything uh, or that emotion just doesn't come, like you're not excited about anything. I think the temptation is is to stuff in stuff that's like cheap pleasures. Yeah. Um, I can think, well, I'm just going to keep using the example because it's fresh in my mind. When I was, uh, when I was quarantining from COVID, I found myself eating more stuff that I knew would be immediately gratifying. I'd go to the fridge like a high schooler. I just, every time I'd come downstairs, I'd pop open the fridge and I would just like drinking milk out of the carton or, you know, grabbing chocolate or whatever's in there. And I just knew that that was going to give me a, a sort of boost um, emotionally or whatever. And I think a lot of people eat like that. Yeah, uh, Emotional eaters is what I've heard that called. Mm-hmm. And so when we're not feeling emotion and engagement and we're apathetic, I think sometimes we go into the bottle or we go to the fridge or we go to porn or whatever. Fill in the blank of your pet sin problem. And I think God, it does make sense to me that God would prune us as followers of Jesus in those seasons of apathy. I think sometimes I tend to think that because I'm apathetic, I've been disobedient. And I should be joyful. And I just think that's wrong. I think Jesus modeled to us that we spend significant seasons in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Like question. Okay. So here's a question for you is, do you feel like, do you feel like, um, well, I don't want to phrase this in a weird way. I kind of was thinking like, does Jesus, did Jesus experience apathy? Uh, I don't think he would have experienced apathy because he didn't have any sin in his life. So he would have been perfectly engaged. He certainly would have experienced sorrow. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But like in the wilderness, what do you think that was like? You know, like Jesus 
saying that man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. That seems to be something that he was longing for in the wilderness. He was obviously hungry. So there was something that was missing from Jesus's life. And, and you know, like I'm connecting that with apathy in a way, but do you find that to be good news that Jesus went through the wilderness? Yeah, I think just because it shows like the growth that can happen, that, that needs to happen in those times, like in the quiet times or in those, you know, rough times that it's a revealer. I mean, not necessarily in his case, but like when you go through those times or in these seasons of apathy, it is a revealer, it is a refiner. And as a Christian, you can, it, it kind of reveals your desire. Like if you keep thinking about your faith and you're like, ah, I just wish I, you know, I, I wish I had more desire to do this or more meaning for this or something like that then your the way out is like a little more clear to find as far as like you like you it's revealed that you actually have a great desire to do this and you're just upset that it's not where you'd want it to be or it's yeah that wasn't really cool I don't want to do that anymore like I'd rather just go do something and keep doing the instant gratification and not walk this way anymore it's not worth it anymore and so it's kind of like a great revealer in that and so but I think what Jesus going through the wilderness uh, shows us is that you need those times to, to like you said, live on the word and, and the, you know, the, what is it, the bread of God or the word of God, uh-huh. like that you need to spend those times wandering and searching for a word. Right. So I think some, some of you need to hear the basic gospel. Um, so like Ben, like when you talk about walking um, in these seasons of like, well, when you're feeling apathetic, you just need to practice your faith more consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's coming through with what you're saying. Disciplines. Yeah. Like spiritual the discipline, spiritual disciplines. Cause guys like John Mark Comer or, um, dudes like, um, I think it's David Foster, Richard, no Richard Foster. He wrote the spiritual disciplines book. There's all sorts of people out there that talk about the path to trans James K. Smith. He talks about this too. One of the paths to transformation is putting habits and practices in your in your life that shape you, that shape your heart. Mm-hmm. So that is one dimension that God calls us to an obedient life, following Jesus, honoring Him um, with all that we do, and that involves everything that we do: our workplace, how we eat meals, um, how we interact with our neighbors. All those things contribute to our emotional well-being because God is is transforming us through uh, obedience. That is one element of it. But there's also this element of we need to understand that our apathy is not a sign of guilt. It's not a sign of you're not uh, condemned because you don't feel a certain way about God. Um, And we know this because the basic gospel is that you you are a sinner, that you are lost, and there's so much wrecked about you. Not just your emotions, but there's so much other stuff wrecked about you, right? And so the... God of the universe, Jesus Christ, chooses to engage and chooses to set his face towards the cross and say, I'm going to go and I'm going to die the death that Ben deserved Mm -hmm. and Nick deserved. And I'm going to take on the sin that laid a curse over your life. And I'm going to obliterate that on the cross and that in resurrection there is victory. And so he demonstrates that to us that all of the guilt is wiped away. There is no condemnation. And so 
something else is going on with apathy. Something else. It doesn't necessarily signal that you're disobedient yeah. to God, okay? And so the Jesus is our true and better example of what it looks like to engage and, and to be... Um, uh, well, okay, we saw the definition, lack of emotion. Jesus was thoroughly emotionally engaged with what he was doing because he says that God loves us, right? God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so Jesus is not apathetic about you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's not good news to say somebody try harder. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so for me... I don't, I don't like that. I don't like hearing when I'm in apathy. And I think a lot yeah. of people are like that. Let's do a bunch of, I don't want to do anything. So don't tell me to do more things to get out of apathy. Yeah. So there's this being has to be before, like we have to be before we act. Yeah. Whereas act, acting doesn't create being. Um, it flows the other direction. And so God has already declared over you that you're innocent and that you're loved and that I'm totally affectionately involved in your life. So when you're apathetic, Jesus is not apathetic about you. He doesn't go, dang it, Ben, what's the point? You know, what's the point of even working in this dude's life? Because he's just gonna, <laughs> we had some good quiet time this morning and, you know, I revealed to him some things through the word and, and then he just stared at his screen the rest of the day and forgot all of it. You know, how many times have I done that? Like how many times have I, you know, had a conversation with my wife and we've come to a breakthrough and it's like, okay, I'm going to put in place X, Y, and Z in our life so that I can be a better husband. We're going to have date nights and I'm going to have couch time and I'm going to have intentional conversations with conversation cards and I'm going to buy her flowers or whatever. Anyways, nobody, if anybody knows my wife, she doesn't even like flowers. I like flowers, but... <laughs> Valentine's Day. She's the one that brings home she's roses the one that, to you. She literally brought me home flowers. There's flowers that are on our dining room from her. Nice. Yeah. To me. So where was I going with that? Is that the, uh, oh, and so I can put all these things in place. Do be a better husband. I'm going to do these things. And then I don't, I be, I drift into apathy. God's not like that. Yeah. Right. That, I mean, that has to be good news. Like, that has to be something that we hang our hat on. Like, what say you, Christian? <laughs> I, I think the first thing I think about with that is, yes, that's great news, is that he, like, always finds meaning in me. Like, in you, whoever's listening to this, in Nick. Like, you are not meaningless to God. Right. Always. Right. And then I think of, like, our call in that. So we're called to be like Jesus, but we're not called to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think like with that, we can, it's kind of like you have to give yourself a lot of grace too, because we're trying to do that. And then there's a lot of external factors that can kick in because we're humans and that can affect us that, uh, you know, we're not God, <laughs> um, that, that kind of lead to that apathetic state and just giving ourselves grace to, you know, get back up when we fall down, but taking our time with it and not, like you said, just, and I feel bad saying like, oh, you know, you got to do your disciplines and read your Bible and everything. And it's like, it is that, but it also isn't. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more with that. And that's why like, I like to, I was saying about the, the time of just sitting still, because a lot of times apathy comes from like a hurried season 
and you're just like at the end of your limits and you're just like need rest and just sitting still or resting and just, you know, becoming healthy that way and then deciding to go forward. Yeah. So how would you practically encourage a brother or sister in Christ who's dealing with apathy? Uh, the first thing I would do is like accept it as far as like knowing where you're at name, like name your state and then confess it. So talk to someone that you trust. Uh, if you have like mentors, spiritual parents, a pastor, a friend, just be open about it. So you're not carrying that weight alone because you don't need to carry that weight alone. And I think a big place, like that's the importance for community as well as to, you know, walk with it, with your brothers and sisters and with your family and, uh, let them know what's going on. Cause they can, you know, sit with you. They might be able to rate relate with you and say something that they did that helped out really well. So, uh, I think those are the first two main steps that I would do and I have done, uh, to do that. And then just kind of developing again, once you, I don't want, and I don't want to say like it's an and if, but like eventually the disciplines need to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's just kind of figuring out what that looks like for you and developing a map mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. But definitely first is like accepting it to yourself and, and confessing it to community. Yeah. So I would piggyback off that and say, slow down and, 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 and keep your, so open your eyes and ask God to help you see grace. Mm-hmm. So before you do anything, um, help, ask God to show you who you are. And so that means you're loved, you um, are valuable. That's one of the things I tell my daughter before she goes to school. I say, you're loved. And then she goes, invaluable. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's old. She's apathetic towards that now. No. The, uh, it's, I think, so when I read biographies of like old Christian theologians or pastors or whatever, what comes through in a lot of those biographies is their desire. What are you looking at? You're like giving me this weird like eyebrow look and you're staring. No, I'm giving myself, I'm like reading into this article more. It's actually super great. We should probably link it. It's really good. (laughs) Okay. Let's do that. Um, you have to show me how to do that. I don't know if I know how to link an article. Is it in the show notes section (laughs) on Squarespace? Yeah. Okay. I've never actually seen that on Squarespace. I just hear Tim Ferriss say that all the time. Well, link it all in the show notes below. There we go. (laughs) We'll try and do that. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, so like Charles Spurgeon, I think it was. One of the things that he intentionally did was he wanted to, he, I think he spent time staring at a tree, uh, looking at nature. Like Jonathan Edwards would often talk about walking in nature as a big part of his mm-hmm. life. And one of the things that you see in the Psalms is that's one, like, that's one of the elements of their um, life with God is these psalmists, these people writing these this poetry, making this art, um, was looking around at the world God made and was saying, wow, it's beautiful. Yeah. God's glory is like the sunbeams and the pillars over the ocean. And, and, and it was this imaginative world that I think um, helped them not be apathetic. I'm not saying they weren't apathetic yeah. at times, but they definitely seemed engaged. See the bigger picture. Writing it. Yeah. When they were writing that psalm, they seemed engaged. Yeah. I would, yeah. I, I like that a lot. I think like a big thing that's helped me is, and na- I'm a natural outdoors person anyway, but you know, go watch a sunset or a sunrise, depending on when you, you know, which one you prefer or both, but like 
go just and pay attention, not just like, and not try and take a picture at the perfect time for Instagram, but like put your phone down and pay attention to the colors, the vibrancy, pay attention to how it changes. And, and then, you know, as a sunset, like stay there until the stars come out and just look up at the stars and just be in amazement at what God has created for us and that his power and his love that he created all this stuff. Right. And his like, just attention to detail through right. it all and let it just spark wonder. Right. And we do know that, that, that creation is a grace. Uh, it is a, it is a gift to yeah. us because in Genesis it says that when he made the garden for Adam and Eve, it was lots of stuff that was beautiful. It was like trees, uh, that were beautiful to look at and, uh, food that was good to eat. Like there was, um, there was definitely a sense in that story that, what God made was for humans to enjoy and to emotionally find gratification in because God made our emotions and he made the beautiful creative world and we are, we're made to enjoy it. So now uh, also you get to this, like the Psalms, like I think it's Psalm 104 that talks about God making um, wine to gladden man's heart and bread to, to strengthen it. And there's that Psalm is all about God's creation and human beings cultivating the earth. Um, it's a gift from yeah. God that we can cultivate. So I, I know this sounds really unspiritual, but like I've been hearing conversations about beekeeping and, you know, starting businesses and growing vegetables and things like that. And I just think that is a good way in which we can um, help get out of apathy yeah. is maybe do something simple. Um, Beekeeping, I think, can be pretty complex probably say, for a lot of people. Go, go buy a succulent and keep that succulent yeah. alive. Uh, and when you look at the succulent, you praise God for his uh, beauty uh, in creation. And so I think those are some of the ways we can do that. I also think looking at the cross, I think spending intentional time to go to Scripture, read through the Gospels, um, like specifically the the story of Jesus going to the cross, and we see that, uh, and we see God demonstrating to His people that He is fully engaged and He is fully, thoroughly, um, emotionally connected. To this it says that Jesus endured the cross um, for the joy that was set before Him, and so Jesus knew that what He was doing was meaningful and worthwhile, and He went and He finished it out, and He did it. And he did that on our behalf. And so when we were apathetic, when, when Peter was fearful and ran away and didn't want to confess Christ, like when all these disciples lived this wrecked emotional life and they manifested to God that they were failures, they were bad friends, they fell asleep in the garden, you know, like they were not uh, what Jesus was to them. Mm -hmm. We look at that and we say, oh man, thank you, Jesus, for not being apathetic. And we can rest in that. And then in a strange way, God then rescues us from ourselves by getting our eyes off ourselves and off our apathy and onto Jesus. Then we start to become an ounce less apathetic. Um, C.S. Lewis, he said, uh, humility is not thinking of less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah. And so self-forgetfulness, I think Tim Keller, somebody handed me a book the other day. It was you. The Art of Self-Forgetfulness. Yeah. I still haven't read it. It's a good title. <laughs> it's a good title. It's a little book. I think I know what he says in there. Yeah. I get the gist of it. Yeah, the title gives it away. 
Yeah, so look, get your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You know, look full into his wonderful face. Like, that is the, that's what we're trying to do, yeah. right? When we follow Jesus, we're trying to like get, our, get our eyes off ourselves. But also getting our eyes off the world. There's chaos, media, salesmanship, all sorts of stuff out there that obscures the beauty in the details of modern life or mm-hmm. the be- the details of our lives living in the present. So I think uh, like a big, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, it kind of came back to me, but like an anthem or like a, you know, a simple cry and, and statement for the apathetic is Psalm fifty one twelve. restore to me the joy of your salvation, uphold me with a willing spirit. And just mm-hmm. like, that's a, like a great, as far as like where to start, what to do when you're apathetic. Right. Like, Pray that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's right. That is where I would start. Yeah. So why don't we end it there? Because I feel like that's great. A great place to go. If you're apathetic, if you're listening to this and you're part of our church or if you're a member of the the Clinton community or if you're not, if you're elsewhere, um, apathy is pretty common to no matter who you are, where you're living, apathy can be something that you fall into. And you need to know that it's not your fault necessarily. You, you may have done nothing wrong to experience this apathy. Um, and you need to see God's love and grace for you demonstrated at the cross. And so he's always willing to have you come back to him in your apathy. And so, yeah, Psalm 51. Get into Psalm 51 and pray that prayer. So, yeah, whether you're, you're here or elsewhere, we just hope that this podcast about apathy and about Christ and how Christ speaks into our apathy We hope that this podcast has served to help you live your life to the glory of Jesus and the joy of your local community.